The NFL draft may be over, but the Ringer NFL show isn't going anywhere. On Mondays, join Kevin and Nora as they look ahead to the 2021 season. And on Wednesdays, check out Flying Coach Season 2 with NFL Network's Peter Schrager and Rams head coach Sean McVay. The two longtime friends are joined by guests from around the sports and entertainment world to discuss the latest NFL news, tell stories from their careers, and break down the game from their unique perspectives. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, Bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+, plus, 18+, plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem, call 100 Gambler, or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And I'm going to apologize right out of the gate, right out of the shoot. I'm going to apologize because I feel like our Sunday and the Monday pods, I, I, I feel like our pods over the last month to six weeks have gotten a little repetitive. They've gotten a little tired. They've gotten a little stale. And it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the lousy, rotten, miserable baseball team that I root for. That is bringing about this horror show that I feel like I have to live through again and again and again. I actually was dumb enough to think leaving Fenway Park Friday in the wee hours of the morning, that maybe that was rock bottom. Maybe. But I'm a sucker. I'm an idiot. Because when the Yankees have on Saturday, arguably their best win of the year, down three in the eighth inning against a guy in Evaldi who they never hit, to get him out, they bring in that stiff Adovino who could pitch against me any day of the week because I just don't trust him in big games. They get all those hits. Chapman survives the ninth inning. I'm actually in good spirits. I actually thought they had a really good chance to win on Sunday. And for about two and a half to three hours, I was feeling pretty damn awesome. You get a brilliant, not a good, a brilliant start. Out of Domingo Herman, you got Ruggie Odor getting clutch hits and a clutch home run. 
You have the Yankee offense. Yeah, they're leaving a couple guys on base. Yeah, they missed an opportunity to blow the game open, maybe make it six, seven, eight. He's starting pitcher as a no-hitter. He's dominating for seven innings. He's got 10 strikeouts. He hasn't given up a hit. Four-nothing lead in the eighth inning. I'm sorry. You have to win that game. That's why I apologize that out of the game. Because I have the same crap to yell about day after day after day. But I give this team credit for this. They are finding new and innovative ways to lose in the late innings of these games. Enter Sunday. Sunday, Domingo Herman has a no-hitter through seven innings. He has a very manageable pitch count. Not a one-nothing lead. Not a two-nothing lead. It is a four-nothing Yankees lead. Four-nothing. First hit. Maybe a play that could have been made for what it's worth. The wonderful Yankee manager can't wait to involve himself in the ballgame. He's got his strut. He's got his bubble gum. And he takes Domingo Herman out of the game. Enter Jonathan Wazaga, who has been outstanding for the Yankees. Outstanding. But 4 nothing lead. Less than 100 pitches. For goodness sakes, Aaron, let Domingo cook. At least let him give up another hit or another base runner. And then, all right, you could justify making a pitching change at that point. One base runner? Come on. I don't want to hear about pitch count. Was it at 120 pitches like Cole was the other night? Do you want the exact pitch count? You know what? I'll give you the exact pitch count for those of you keeping score at home. Let's make sure we get it right. Domingo Herman threw 93 pitches. He gives up one hit. Can't wait to get him out of the game. In comes Lasagna, and it was obvious from the get-go. He had nothing. Because remember, he's going up against the bottom of the Red Sox order. He's going up against Renfro. He's going up against Vasquez. He's going up against Cordero, who absolutely stinks. Hit, hit, hit. Here's critique number two for the wonderful Yankee manager. This is a must game. You have a loaded bullpen ready to rock. To quote the great Stu Finer, ready to roll. Lasagna don't have it. Get his ass out of the game. I get it. He's got to stay in for three batters. He's pitching to Kike Hernandez? Why? His logic is going to be, oh, well, I don't want a lefty coming in against Kike. Well, Johnny didn't have it. Do, do you need to see any other proof or evidence? Three straight hits. You cannot allow him to go and give up another hit. With a loaded, rested Yankee bullpen. This is what I talk about all the time in killing the Yankee manager, who is not the only reason this team has underachieved. He's not the only reason. You guys tweeted me failures with the front office. True. Underperforming players. True. This manager, though, has absolutely no feel for the game. Zero feel for the game. Because his script beforehand said, well, if we get 90 to 95 
Pitches out of Domingo Herman, and he's pitching well, and we can go to the bullpen. We're going to go to the bullpen. Watch the damn game. Loisic has got nothing. After three batters, get him the hell out. I mean, anybody watching is like, well, what is Aaron Boone doing? And then I'll give you another one. The idea of Aaron Boone playing the infield back and then not walking Xander Bogarts to set up the double play is insanity. Who cares if Rafael Devers hits a bloop? Who cares? With uh, Durant, whatever the hell it is. Devers, he's killed the Yankees anyway. It's a lefty-lefty. Set up the double play. I mean, these are simplistic, managerial type of decisions that are not being executed properly. So don't lecture me and try to make the argument, anybody who's out there, that the manager is not a problem. He is a big problem. I'm sorry. He's a problem. Watch these games. I watch every night. And try to tell me otherwise. Aaron Boone may be a nice guy. His players may like him. In-game, he stinks. Sorry. No feel for the game. Devastating for the Yankees. And again, this ain't news. Because the list now and the nominees and the candidates for worst loss of the year, oh, they keep piling up. They keep going and going and going and going some more. It's only the end of July, baby. We might have another five or six to put on the damn list. The Yankees had no business losing three out of four in this series. You want to tell me they stole a game on Saturday? All true. They have a two-run lead in the ninth inning Thursday. We were there for that. They yuck it up. They have a starting pitcher throwing a no-hitter going into the eighth inning with a four-run lead, and they lose. That is mind-numbing type stuff. But here's the reality. Despite the way all of us as Yankee fans have been beaten down by this team, and I don't believe in them, and the manager is a problem, and the bullpen continues to melt, they are going to keep suckering us back in because we're all idiots. Maybe some of you have waved the white flag on the season. I can't do it with the second wild card. Even though they're flawed, even though I don't believe in this team, I again, I, I don't want to have nothing to watch for the next six weeks. I'd rather be suckered in until football season, and then when football season rolls around, then I can kind of wipe my hands with them and get my focus where it should be on young Tua and Coach Flo and the Miami Dolphins. Yankees are three and a half out of the second wild card. The division is over. I felt that way for a while. Boston, Tampa, they're running and hiding. The fact that the best the Yankees can do is the second wild card is embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. But it's still attainable. They got big games with Seattle coming up. They have big games with Tampa coming up. And you'll get suckered back in. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Probably won't end up falling short of the postseason, but you're going to get suckered in. I mean, it's probably going to end in crash and burn type of fashion, whether it's in September or whether it's in a wild card game, because that's just the way this season is going. I'm just warning you right now, despite everything that I've watched over the last four months, and despite seeing the same old song and dance again and again and again, they're going to keep you hanging around. 
Maybe not with Boston, maybe not with Tampa. That dopey second wild card is going to keep you hanging around. But don't sit there and tell me the manager is not a problem for this team. Because if you watch these games and you think he's doing a good job, I mean, I'd love to know what you were drinking tonight. Because I might need some. I gave you fair warning, folks. Can't say I didn't. I gave you the surgeon's general warning. I mean, you need one watching a Yankee game these days. You know, like they put that on the cigarettes, which is good because they're disgusting. Like, yeah, you should be doing that. You should be doing that with the Yankees, too. Like the surgeon's general warning should be stamped right on. Warning. It's not good for you. It's toxic. The 2021 Yankees are toxic. And I'm telling you, I'm going to go right back down this rabbit hole in another two, three, four weeks. We'll probably have a couple more of these podcasts before the end of the year. Oh, my goodness. Sickening. I'll tell you what was not sickening. If you're a Mets fan, winning two out of three against the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, the Mets are going to take a little bit of a back seat this weekend because when you have the Yankees playing the Red Sox and you have epic meltdowns like Thursday and Sunday, it's kind of hard to top that. But this was, to me, in many ways, a dangerous series for them. Why? Because of what is coming up this week in this pivotal Stretch of games, including a Monday doubleheader against the Atlanta Braves, make a break time in the National League East with the Mets holding on to a lead. Well, this game against Toronto, you got five pretty darn good innings out of Rich Hill, completely ran out of gas in the sixth inning. And it went from a one nothing Met lead to a 3-1 deficit. And you're saying, oh, geez, this is going to be a terrible tone going in. This is not going to be pleasant. There's going to be a lot of things that are just unsettling, if you will. And that all changed for the Mets, though, thankfully for their sake, in the bottom half of the sixth inning. And that's what good teams do. You give up three runs. You get hit in the gut. You come bouncing right back and basically changing the whole feel, the whole tenor, the whole narrative of the game. Blue Jays put up three. You come right back with four. And Alonzo has been locked in. He's really been locked in over the last three weeks. But he's hitting bombs left and right. He hit one to tie the game. It's nice to see McNeil come off the bench and give you a big hit. We know this has not been a great year for Jeff McNeil. Maybe a big August and a big September awaits for him. And the Met bullpen did what they needed to do after the fact. Everybody was waiting for the Diaz meltdown in the ninth inning. You didn't get a Diaz meltdown in the ninth inning. That's a good series win for the Mets. Toronto scores a lot of runs. Toronto does not pitch particularly well. And I like the fact that the Mets answered back in that bottom half of the sixth inning. That's a sign of a good team. Now, it is probably the biggest series of the year for the Mets over the next couple of days. Because if you look at where we're at in the National League East, Mets have a four-game lead on Philadelphia. They're five up in the loss. They have a five-game lead on Atlanta. They're up six in the loss. Well, look at the amount of games you got coming up. You got a doubleheader on Monday. Then you're playing on Tuesday night. Then you are playing on Wednesday. And I believe you're playing on Thursday. So two, three, four, five games in four days. You go three and two, four and one, 
great shape. Even if you go two and three, not the end of the world. You can't allow Atlanta now to go and really have a big week. Because if Atlanta goes four and one in these particular games, then the heat is on and the race is on in the National League East. And I feel like for a good majority of the next few days, you're going to be trying to figure out as a Met fan what to add to this team. Am I a little concerned about Walker after his last two starts? I am. Remember, Walker's a guy who hasn't pitched this amount of innings in a long, long time. And the Mets need him. Guy was an all-star in the first half. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about the wear and tear getting to him a smidge. I'd like to see the Mets a player for a starting pitcher. I'd like to see the Mets in on a third baseman. I think starting pitcher is the number one priority. Regardless of Carrasco coming back, regardless of what Syndergaard gives you down the road, I, I can't keep waiting because I got too many tough games coming up. I need a pitcher now. For the Yankees, the Yankees should not be making moves that are short-sighted for 2021. If they're going to make a move that's going to help them this year and it's going to help them next year, I'm all for it. I've been lukewarm on Gallo. Strikes out way too much. Like that he's the lefty. Like that he plays good D. I don't need another guy who strikes out. Same could be said for Trevor Story. All the guy does is hit bombs and strike out. Good glove, but I need more diversity to the lineup. That's why a guy like Anthony Rizzo is appealing. A guy like Max Kepler is appealing. Because I'm not just thinking about this year with those guys. I'm also thinking about next year as well. So it'll be fascinating to see who's selling, who's putting guys on the market. Maybe even a team like the Nationals is putting a couple of those big names out there. They look to trade Kyle Schwarber. They put Scherzer out there. Interesting. They're probably the most interesting team to watch outside of the Cubs when it comes to all this. So trade deadline is going to be a buzzing. We'll have John Morosi on in a little bit, who's as good with any of this stuff as you're going to find in America. I love John Morosi, one of my favorite, favorite baseball analysts. He'll join us. I had to get the Boston perspective. Fair and balanced, right? And no, I haven't texted Bill from Los Angeles because I was giving him some crap yesterday and I... Got to eat my words a little bit today. I should have known better. I didn't talk any crap today, but I would have been firing a salvo if the Yankees split the series. Misery. Absolute misery. But Steve Peral, Section 10 pod, EI, BR walk-off. He's got like 10 zillion gigs. Big Sox guy. We were having a couple of drinks over the weekend. He's going to be in a much better mood than I am. And he's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah. A toast to breakfast. It's like deja vu all over again. It's like Groundhog Day all over again. And at the very least, I'm not responsible for this Yankee atrocity. But, you know, I figured we'd welcome in a guy who actually is quite giddy about the state of affairs this weekend. He's got like 10 zillion gigs, Section 10, BR Walkoff, EI. I saw him Friday after Rafael Devers single-handedly beat the New York Yankees down. The great Stevie Peralt. Hi, buddy. I'm glad to be on this show, JJ. I want to start this by congratulating you on your success. Uh, I'm very glad that you're with The Ringer now, that you have your own show, that you had a billboard in New York City. That was a big deal. I saw you and my good friend Caroline 
with that billboard behind you, I'm like, JJ's made it. JJ is I think you're just made. trying to butter me up a little bit <laughs> before you just bring me down after what I saw this weekend. So I appreciate those kind words. That's number one. Two, I'm going to ask you eighth inning. Knowing the history of the Yankee bullpen this year, knowing how many games they have just completely melted down in, when did it become clear to Stevie P the Red Sox were going to tie and dare I say win this game? That's what I want to know. When Franchi Cordero got a hit because he's terrible. That I go down the list of the batters in the Red Sox lineup. Alex Verdugo has been very hit or miss the last month. He has that hit. By the way, Greg Allen, not a great uh, jump on that ball. I think if Aaron Judge is out there, he probably catches it. And who knows? Maybe you guys throw a no hitter. Um, but that was that got it going. That got it going. And you have Verdugo in there at second. All of a sudden, it's the momentum. And if you're a Yankee fan like you, JJ, you got to be watching that game thinking, we still have no outs. We still don't have any outs in this scenario. And the Red Sox lineup, not even the core of the lineup. You got you go down the list there. Kevin Ploiecki, uh, Franchi Cordero, some of the guys that are getting on have no real business getting on. They keep the, the lineup rolling. You get to the top. Kike Hernandez has been very cold, but finds a way to get the sack fly. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's a 5-4 game. That happened like a blink of an eye. And it's kind of the same thing as Saturday uh, but completely reversed with Red Sox-Yankees. And the two big issues for me with Boone. One, Herman's still under 100 pitches. The guy's throwing a no-hitter. Can we let him pitch, for goodness sakes? Can you let him get in a little bit of trouble before you're yanking him out of the Should've game? Should have kept him. That's number one. And then, Steve, this manager is just awful. And he's cost the Yankees about seven or eight games this year. He should be fired. There's no reason he should still be running the team. Neither here nor there. You let Loazaga... After coming off the COVID list, after pitching on Saturday and getting in some trouble on Saturday, you leave him out to dry. Now, I get it. Three batter minimum. He's got to stay in for three. You can't let him give up four straight hits in the inning there. That's crazy. No, that was insane. Honestly, I was stunned. I couldn't believe that he was still out there. And then regardless of who you're going to the bullpen, JJ, no Red Sox fan is worried. And that includes Chapman. There's nobody that comes out of that pen that I'm like, oh, no, they're actually going to, you know, find a way to shut this down and get three outs. And honestly, the game was kind of won by Josh Taylor uh, shutting the door in the seventh inning for the Red Sox. He's been enormous out of the bullpen. He was absolutely terrible uh, to start the season. We wanted to send him to the sun. That's what we were saying on Section 10. He's given up runs in one outing in the last three months, and he comes in. Uh, runners on second and third, one out, shuts the door, gives up no more damage. He's been huge at coming in and cleaning up other pitchers' messes, and he did it again today. Brandon Workman, it was kind of like we were you know, waving the white flag there, having him come in in the eighth inning. He does not have it anymore. Somehow only gives up one run, and all of a sudden— Well, you get a gift from Torres, by the way, who's been playing oh, a lot better. Time. But Torres, I mean, what my was goodness, he doing? what kind of base running is that? And I've seen that now two days in a row with the Yankees, and I've seen it all year— Brantley not knowing how many outs there are. Torres with a total brain fart. Steve, that to me is a reflection on the manager, period. When yeah. I see stuff like that on a consistent basis, it's not just about the players on the team. It's about the overall approach that you have on a, you know, a daily basis and that sort of nonsense being acceptable. Yeah, I, I don't blame Rob Brantley because he's a made-up player. I have never heard of that guy before. Apparently, he's played for a third of all the teams in Major League Baseball, so that's hilarious. But you can't be forgetting how many outs there are at the Major League level. Like, what are we doing? That was embarrassing. It doesn't come back to bite him, even though it almost did on Saturday. Uh, but yeah, JJ, I mean, I, I just want to get the pulse of the Yankee fan because I feel like the Yankee fan friends that I have, you being one of them, most of them, not you included, 
but most of them are still trying to talk themselves into thinking this team can make the playoffs. Well, I'm and I'm right taking there. the Red Sox. See, I'm Steve. I'm one of those idiots because when you look at the second wild card and you see three and a half games or you see four and a half games, you want to be teased, bro. I think it's more just being delusional in the sense that there's two and a half months of baseball. You don't want to be waving the white flag and, you know, rooting for, for nothing. And the Yankees, listen, they're not selling. They, they, they're just not. They're there's all, no chance. They're all in there's on no this chance. year. The managers in the last year of his contract, they're not blowing up this team. And not for nothing, it's not like the Yankees have this wealth of talent down at AAA that's ready to come up and play and take roster spots from a variety of different guys. So I am totally, you know, hoping, praying, whatever, for a second wild card, but I have conceded Boston and Tampa, Betty by. I mean, is a and I think Tampa, no for what it's worth, is the best team in the division. This, I mean, to me, the Yankees could say goodbye to catching either one of those two teams after what I saw this weekend. Yeah, honestly, and I'm not even just saying this as a Red Sox guy. I thought before the weekend started, there was really no chance. I mean, you would have had to come into Boston and win at least three out of four, maybe complete what the Red Sox did to you guys three years ago in the four-game sweep near the end of July. Uh, to have a real chance of catching them in the in the division, but the Yankees don't have they just don't have the it factor. They don't have it. Like I, I'm I'm watching this team, and again I'm trying to look at it neutrally because like obviously we support the Red Sox. We're big Sox guys. I get it. It's good for business when the Red Sox are playing well. I'm sure it's the same with you when the Yankees are buzzing. And you look down the lineup. Some of these lineups you guys are throwing out there are ridiculous. It's and, and this is including the top half of it that are all underperforming. DJ LeMayu, I love him. He's a Harwich Mariner. I'm always going to back DJ LeMayu in his, his Cape League days, but he's underperforming big time. Glaber Torres, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge is still out. Hopefully, for your sake, he's back soon. But it's not some like we're not really worried about anybody in that lineup. And I can't remember in my 30 years of existence not being worried about the Yankees lineup. That's, I feel like, your biggest issue. Obviously, the pitching's a problem as well. And the fact you probably win half the starts that Garrett Cole, uh, when Garrett Cole goes out there. But this weekend at Fenway Park, Rob Brantley, some of these guys I've never seen. You look at the bottom of the lineup for the Yankees, I'm like, who are these guys? And we're just not worried at all about anyone that's coming up there. And the Red Sox, on the other hand, this lineup's loaded. And Jaron Duran, I think, is going to find his way. I know he's he's young, and, and they're already putting him in the two spot. They're giving him a lot of uh, – this is a lot of attention, and a lot you know to put on his shoulders to start his career – but you go down the Red Sox lineup and you see it today. The bottom, you know, kept him in the game in the eighth inning, got it back to the top, and all of a sudden it's a 5-4 game. How many wins do you think Alex Cora has been worth to the Red Sox this season? It's always hard to gauge. I think uh, you and me combined and everybody else that talks about the managers, uh, we have a general idea of what we're talking about. But at the end of the day, I still think a baseball manager's biggest importance is keeping a team together through the course of 162 games. I, I, just being able to... To have the vibes to example, he's a guy that was terrible to start the season. Cora still relied on him. He didn't give up on him. And now he's one of his most important relievers coming out of the bullpen. That is what I think matters the most from the manager perspective. Uh, I also say that while saying it looks like Alex Cora's made all the right moves. Anytime he's keeping somebody in there, anytime he's pulling somebody, maybe right before they give up that three-run bomb or before the game gets out of hand, he seems to be right all the time with that. I know today the big thing is uh, the pitcher, they had a mound visit in the seventh inning, and Kike Hernandez said this after the game, that Cora said, if we can prevent the Yankees from scoring more runs here, we're going to win the game. And Kike's line was like, I didn't necessarily think we were going to win the game, but when you hear it from Cora, 
And you know he doesn't just throw that out all the time. He's not just saying that every game. They have trust in him. He has trust in them. And I think that's where you get wins. I think it's when you know your manager has your back. He's not giving up on you when you're in slumps. And he's a player's manager. He's a guy that they all speak highly of. Anybody we've interviewed on EEI or Section 10, they love Alex Cora. They speak nothing but high words of Alex Cora. They, they are obsessed with his managerial approach. His approach is just a friend to them. And I got to say, I look, I look across the, well, the way there at Aaron thing, Boone. Steve. I think I your team, it. though, yeah. has taken on the personality of its manager. I, I think yeah. you guys are aggressive. I think you guys are playing a quality brand of baseball. I look at the team last year. There aren't overwhelming differences and changes. There are a few. Kike Hernandez, obviously. They brought in Marlon Gonzalez, who ended up going down. The bullpen, I know, is a lot better. Pitching, in general, is a lot better for the Red Sox The rotation, year. specifically. It's a lot better. Evaldi yeah. yeah. pitching well this year. Uh, Pavetta, even Perez has been decent. Yeah, all, all true. But I see the team day in and day out when I watch them, and I'm like, holy smokes, they now look like an Alex Coral-led team, and there's a sense of urgency. And then I look at the Yankees, I don't see any of that. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. And there's been times, and I think back to that uh, that series in Yankee Stadium, when the worst strike three call I think I've ever seen to force the game into extras. And Aaron Boone's just kind of chilling there. And I, I don't I don't know if you have a better answer to this than me, but it seems like the times he picks to get upset with the umps are so random. Like he just randomly chooses, I'm going to cause a fit here. Like the Garrett Cole start the other night, I don't know what Garrett, Garrett was upset about a pitch that seemed like it was outside. He's already barking at the ump in the first or second inning. And then Boone comes out of the dugout. But you're in Yankee Stadium, when you just, Odor just got called out on strikes on one of the worst strike three calls. And if that at-bat keeps going, the Yankees likely win. And you're just chilling in there looking at the lineup card for what extra innings looks like. He just he looks like a guy ready to, you know, to be out the door. And that's the biggest thing I see with Boone. And like you mentioned with Alex Cora, the Red Sox embrace what he's all about. He's all about togetherness. He's all about the group. He's all about the team doing it as one unit. And with the Yankees, it just seems like a bunch of guys that they're just rolling out there. I give you a choice. Trade that line. First base help, starting pitcher. Bigger need for the Red Sox. I'm going to say starting pitcher just because of what Bloom said the other week that kind of uh, piqued my interest, which is uh, he wants to he's, – he's not against making a strength stronger instead of necessarily going for what appears on the outside looking in to be a weakness. And that's him saying – I'm fine making this an even better rotation if we can get by with guys at first base. I'm not overly worried with the first base thing. You go down the lineup, it's Dahlbeck's been a disappointment. Uh, you know, anyone that's really filling in there, Chavis, now you got Franchi Cordero. It's obvious with who they're putting at first. They don't trust who's over there, and they don't have a lot of hope in, in the fact that they're going to do it late. That also is shown when they pinch hit for him seemingly anytime it's a seventh, eighth, or ninth inning situation that's clutch. They'll take the first baseman out and put somebody else in. But I honestly think they're going to go after pitching at the deadline, but I still don't think they're going to do that much. You have Chris Sale coming back. That's an incredible trade deadline acquisition. He's Are you be back expecting likely. Sale to be a big pitcher for them or the expectations? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. you're expect So your hope, everybody's hope up in Boston is Sale is the sale of 18 and the first half of 19. That's the hope. Oh, absolutely. And you never want to buy too much into the, the stuff that I like, right? Isn't this every time when someone does, re I've never felt better. My arm feels great. I'm going to go out there and be better than I've ever been. It's like you're 32. You know, you've had you've had surgery. You're coming off the TJ. Like, obviously, I don't think he's going to be the Chris Sale of like the light, the White Sox years. And then his first and seemingly what only full season that he dominated with the Red Sox in 17. Um, but still, he's he's expected to be 
if not, you know, a top two guy, the guy in the rotation, which is a lot to say, but I think he's someone that can handle that, uh, that high of an expectation. But, and if you have that, you know, Cora showed an 18, he can have these starters do damage and do big things out of the bullpen and he can manage a game and find a way to get it to Matt Barnes, who's somehow, I don't know how, but he's been a great closer. I didn't see that coming. Uh, so I, I think sales going to be a big deal. I think high might go after some relievers, maybe some starting pitching help help, but I don't think, I honestly don't think they're going to make some big splash of the deadline. Cause they don't really have to, they almost have the most wins in baseball right now. They get the most in the American league and they're buzzing. So I don't necessarily think he's going to make a big splash, but there is something to be said about him making a move to show the roster, to show the current team. Hey, we're trying to win the world series this year. That means something. You know, I think about the contrast. I think this has probably been, the most unenjoyable Yankee season that I've experienced as a fan to be, ever, right? considering the expectation. Like, I get it, 13, 14, 15, 16, teams weren't particularly good, but the expectations were not high. This team was the Vegas favorite to win the American League. They were two or three to go and win the World Series. I compare that to Boston and the feel-good year that you guys have had. It's not 04. It's not... 2013. It's not 2018. Not yet, at least. Nothing's going to top all four. I get that. Would you say, though, Stephen, this is one of the more satisfying four-plus months of Red Sox baseball that you've watched, that you witnessed as a fan? Oh, absolutely. Especially, I've been to more games this year than I ever have. A lot is that. A lot of that is due to doing stuff with EEI, getting a credential, getting to see what that world's all about. Um, but yeah, that includes taking some trips to Yankee Stadium. And I don't know what Michael Kay is talking about, saying that you know Red Sox fans are reactive instead of like, you know, cheering their team on to, to score and do big things. Yankee stadium is, is crickets, at least for the, for the most part, when I've been there, cause there's not much to cheer. About. I don't even blame Yankee. You can't fans. blame a Yankee fan about. on that, Steve, with the I'm way not, they've been beat it, down like, this year. It's tough. And even I felt this way going to Fenway Friday. It's tough to yeah. go there and be pounding your chest and be rah, rah, right? rah, when the team's playing like crap. That's the thing that sticks out to me is Yankee fans have never had less ammo uh, when they're going to the ballpark. They've never had less in their back pocket to say, yeah, but we got this. Yeah, but we got so-and-so on the bump. He, again, like I mentioned, even when Cole's out there, I think you guys are 500. So there's not a lot of guys on this roster that give you reason to think, oh, we're going to make a push. We're really going to you know, go for it in the second half. And I didn't sense that going to Yankee Stadium last weekend. Every, maybe early on, Red Sox win that Friday game. Obviously, you guys end up winning the series. But it still feels like from a Yankee fan perspective, that this has to be one of the most obnoxious season you guys have ever had. And, and the expectations are part of that. You look back at the, you know, what MLB had tweeted out or what, you know, some of the fan graphs or any of that. I don't see those the, predictions, please. No, I'm just, but I'm just saying it's, it was all Yankees. It was all Yankees winning the division, playing the Padres or the Dodgers in the world series. And that's what everybody had. So from your perspective, it has to be, I would think the most obnoxious season, because like you mentioned, some of the years they didn't perform well, they weren't necessarily expected to be that great. This year they were, and it's not like you're missing that many guys. You really aren't. Like some of the guys that are supposed to be doing big things are just underperforming. So that's got to be the most disappointing part. Very tough watch. Okay, Tampa, Houston, Chicago. Who's keeping you up at night at most thinking about the American League, which is wide open for what it's worth. I think anybody can win the American League right now, not the Yankees. But I think Tampa is your biggest threat. I, I think they're a pain in the ass. I think Cruz is going to be a major factor. Is that the team you're most concerned about? I'm worried about this Astros team that's extremely motivated to shut everybody up. 
And if anything, I'm kind of already looking forward, not, not looking forward to it, but imagining what it would be like if you have Red Sox Astros kind of in a revenge tour type of ALCS. I don't think that would be, honestly, right now, it feels like that should be the Vegas favorite for the ALCS. Um, it's Houston. They, they've Houston is for the most part, whooped the Red Sox ass this year. And, and they've kind of done it while pounding their chest. They very clearly want to get that big piece of metal, uh, at the end of the year and kind of, you know, shut everybody up. So I'm a little worried about them. The Rays are going to be there. I'm excited for this race going down, you know, through the end of September, Nelson Cruz being added to that roster definitely scares me a little bit. I think Heim's going to make some moves, not as big a splash as getting somebody like, uh, like boomstick there, but yeah, I'm, I'm worried about the Astros. And if we're talking, keep me up at night. There's a lot of times that I watch their highlights and I'm like, they got the thing. They got that thing going. They, they have the vibe check. They, when they're playing in Houston, they are hard to beat. And the Red Sox and Astros have the same record right now. So that's going to be a legitimate battle for who has potentially home field in the ALCS further down. We don't want to look too ahead, but that's, that's what I'm thinking right now. Stevie, good stuff, buddy. Um, with the way things are going right now, I do not think you'll be seeing me at the end of September, but <laughs> you know, the second wild card can create some strange bedfellows, my friend. So you never know. It really, Hey, it really can. And, and I got to say, JJ, we had a blast. That was a fun time going there to the, uh, the bullpen on Jersey street. Uh, you know, I had never been there, out. by the way. That was a first. I had neither. I had neither because obviously we're big baseball tavern guys. RIP. Uh, but that might be the new spot. And, and as always, a, a very fun time with one John Dostromsky. That was great. Listen, we made it on the 630 flight back to New York City. Don't ask I don't how. know how. I don't, don't ask <laughs> why, but we made the flight despite a couple <laughs> of losses and way too many cocktails. All right, Stevie, talk to you, buddy. All right, take care, man. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. So with the trade deadline approaching, I had to get on the back signal and get on one of the best in the business, <laughs> the ultimate insider, because there's so many great questions about not only the Mets, not only my Yankees, but so many interesting names that could be moved between now and next Saturday. John Morosi over at the MLB Network joins us. John, this is your New York, New York debut, amigo. Welcome. How are you? JJ, I am honored that you asked me to be on the show. Of course, we've had uh, conversations in, in different formats in the past. But again, my New York, New York debut. Very excited about it. And actually, it sounds like I may be making my way back to New York for uh, uh, some Mets-Dodgers games coming up next month. So I'm very excited about that and uh, eager to get back into the baseball scene of New York. And as we know, uh, these rosters could change a lot on both sides of town between now and then. Let's start with the Yankees because I think it's fascinating how they're going to approach the trade deadline because the division is cooked. Boston takes three out of four. They lose two soul-crushing games on Thursday, and then they lose here on Sunday. They're nine back of Boston. I think Boston's gone. 
Tampa adds Nelson Cruz. I think they're gone. But John, you know this second wild card gives you opportunities to get into the playoffs. The Yankees are only two games behind the Oakland A's in the loss column for that second wild card. Because of that, I can't see them selling. I can't see them waving the white flag on this 2021 season. But from what you're hearing around baseball, how active a buyer is Brian Cashman in this brain trust going to be? Well, JJ, that is the question. And it sounds like for now, they are definitely going to be active on the longer term pieces. So if you can find a player that's controllable, that's that's what they want because it allows them to hedge a little bit where they're not just going all in on one rental. Because as you point out, does it make sense to mortgage your future for a little bit of a better chance at a wild card? I don't think so right now. This team has not proven itself to be special enough, certainly in my view, and probably also the view of, of the Yankees, to merit a an all-in, all-out, short-term, go get Max Scherzer, if you will, if, if that's if that's sort of the answer of what the ultimate rental go for it all right now is. I don't see this team getting Max Scherzer. I don't see them being close enough that Max Scherzer puts them over the top to be able to be a World Series team or, to your point, to win the division. So I think it's either going to be more moderate rental upgrades or the optimal would be to call the Minnesota Twins and, and discuss Jose Barrios and Taylor Rogers or, or some combination of players there, maybe a Byron Buxton there. That is much more what I think is a logical play for the Yankees now than to pay an exorbitant price to get Max Scherzer from the Nationals. J.J., from where I sit, they're not good enough to handle the deadline that way. I would agree with that. You mentioned the Twins. I think they're an intriguing fit. I'm not in love with Buxton as a fit for the Yankees. I know he's an athlete. I know they need a center fielder. He's another righty. John, they need to get more left-handed. Max Kepler is the guy I'd want on the Minnesota Twins. Is there any way somebody like Kepler potentially could be available? Yes, I do. I think with the Twins, Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, very imaginative front office. I think that was a very good play they made to move Cruz when they did because we all knew he was probably going to get traded with his contract expiring given his age. And so you move him early, you declare to the industry, listen, we're open for business. And then you move on to the more controllable pieces that will require some more time to work through. Jose Barrios is up at the end of next year. Taylor Rogers has some control as well. And I think Max Kepler is a great call. He is someone that has, in, in my view, played well in Minnesota, but there's another gear there for him where I think if he's surrounded by a lot of winning mentality and, and, and people where, where the demands are very, very high, I think he would hit the next gear in New York. And it's, it's funny, JJ, that you ask about him because when I first saw him in spring training, I, I looked at his swing. This is years ago. His swing, I remember he had a really a great double into the gap. I was watching him play against the Blue Jays. And I watched his stride around the bases. I thought to myself, that's Paul O'Neill. He runs like Paul O'Neill. His swing is like Paul O'Neill. He's fluid. He's tall. Long arms, athletic, corner outfielder, reminds me of Paul O'Neill. I think he'd be a really nice fit for that ballpark because, J.J., I was looking up these numbers earlier today. How do the Yankees have only 21 home runs from lefty hitters all season long? It's unacceptable. John, think about this. They got Odor at the middle portion of April, and he was an add-on to this team. And he's probably got, what, 11 or 12 of them, give or take. Right, right. It, It just... The way this team has been built for a long time, JJ, to your point, 
is just not the way they look right now. It is not the way they look right now. And, and that's why I love your suggestion with Kepler. I'm going to check out on myself in the next day or so about it being a possibility because he is what they need. Don't necessarily go after. And listen, would would Sterling Marte help? Sure, he would. But but this is not a one year issue for the Yankees because you you wipe the slate clean after this year. You have to go out there and get the same this the same checklist the same wish list will be out there in the winter time. So get your winter shopping done now. I think when you're when you're in a spot like the Yankees right now, it's not optimal. We realize that they have a lot of issues. They were on display on Sunday certainly against the Red Sox. But this is a team that's good enough that with some right multi-year additions, they're going to be a better team over the long term. And one of the reasons why Tampa Bay is always so good is they're always balancing the now and the future. The Yankees, I think, JJ, they've spent too much time trying to find, okay, what can we do right now to, to, to fill in this gap, to plug this hole right now without really addressing the infrastructure of their team? They have to do better with some of those young, controllable players who are, or guys like Kepler who are on affordable deals. I think Kepler, much more than Buxton, it's a great call by you. He is the guy that the Yankees should be going after. From what you're hearing around baseball, bigger priority at this point for the Mets, is it adding a starting pitcher or is it getting some help at third base, such as Chris Bryant or Josh Donaldson? I, I do think it's more third base right now. And Interesting. It's a, okay. Because, because they've, of course, just added Rich Hill. Uh, I, I do think there are still some, some issues with respect to their rotation where they have a, a little bit of a lack of depth. But I think for them, JJ, they can pursue both at the same time. And, and they have, I think they have enough young talent in the organization to go out there and address uh, maybe both needs at the deadline. This is a lineup that, as you know, has been without a lot of key guys for injury reasons for significant portions of the season. And I, I really think you look at, and this is a team that knows well, whether it was Cespedes or others, what a midseason acquisition can do for your club. And for me, Bryant is a perfect fit. Now, of course, could you add in one more piece? If you get Bryant, could you also get a Zach Davies? Perhaps. Davies is not a, a dynamic flamethrower, but at least he gives you some reliable innings. That's the kind of play I would like to make if I'm the Mets. I would like to get, again, you pair them up. How about if you're dealing with, with the Cubs, Bryant plus Davies. You're dealing with the, with the Twins, Donaldson plus Maeda. I think it's probably going to be a little tricky to get Donaldson plus Berrios, but I think Donaldson plus Maeda or Donaldson plus Michael Pineda, those kinds of ideas fit. And, and, and if you're going to end up giving up prospects, JJ, this is the year where it seems to me there is a certain flavor where it's out there for GMs to go with two different players in a package to make sure they get the best prospect return. I think that's that sort of deal, getting two players, is exactly what the Mets should be pursuing. Cubs, obviously, have a lot of guys in the last year of their contract. And I've been dreaming about Anthony Rizzo in a Yankee uniform, John, for a long time. Mm. My worst nightmare is seeing Anthony Rizzo back in Boston, where it all began for him in that Adrian Gonzalez trade a long, long time ago. But you get the sense the Cubs between now and Saturday, they've gotten everything. Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, or is it possible they hold on to maybe one of these guys to make their next cornerstone? It's a great question. And, and I think right now they have had JJ and this is where I I'm a big believer that there was the reports about the Buxton extension efforts reports out there about Gallo and the, and the Rangers. I'd be stunned if you saw a, an extension now 
The, the time for an extension was in spring training at the latest. It should have been done years ago. And so I, I, I always, my antenna is always up on this because when I, whenever I hear extension, I, I don't really put much stock in it in general at this time of the year. When was the last time you had a, a major pending free agent of stature signing an extension on July 29th? You, you, you don't see it. And so I, I think they're all available. Now, do they all go? Not necessarily, because I think there's a, a chance that the Cubs, if they don't like the package they're getting back, they could just offer them the qualifying offer and collect the, the compensatory pick. Th that is one option to them. And if you feel strong enough in your in your scouting department, you can go ahead and do that. Now, for me, though, JJ, th this is a team that if I'm the Cubs, I need to get going with somebody. I, I, I want to see my first move by Tuesday at the latest, because I need to have enough time and, and maneuverability to make the right deals and have them follow some sort of a sequence. I know you're not always able to set your clock that way, and you've got to deal with what the what the buying teams have out there, but you know your team right now. You know what's out there. It's important, if, you're, if I'm the Cubs, to make a deal at some point early in the week and just start moving your players, because if you wait until Thursday, Friday, you're not going to be able to... to pedal off player after player after player and get good value because there's just not enough time. Make your first deal with enough time to allow yourself to reset, regroup, and then pivot and move because you've got Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Kimbrell, Hendricks, if you want to go with a controllable piece, Contreras behind the plate. I mean, there are so many players they can move. JJ, they have to start moving some inventory now, so to speak, to use the, the retail expression, because if you don't, there's going to be too much of a, a backlog to really do good work on the 30th of July. I saw it with Verlander a couple of years ago. He put the Astros over the top. Scherzer, you hit on him a few minutes ago. No, I don't think the Yankees are in on him. But realistically, John, you think he's a former member of the Los, uh, the Washington Nationals, excuse me, by uh, Friday or Saturday? How realistic is that? You do? Okay. I do. I, I do. And I think that for right now, for him, I'm looking West. I'm looking NL West. Th so you're thinking Dodgers? What are we thinking? Dodgers, Giants, Padres. Isn't I think they're all in. Isn't it crazy, John, thinking about that division? We could have the Dodgers and the Padres, two, arguably the two best teams in baseball, playing in a wild card. That yeah. is insane to me. Insane. And what that tells you, first of all, is the Giants have a lot more staying power than a lot of their critics thought. I mean, this was. Uh, oh, this was I'm right there. I didn't yeah. think there was a chance in hell they'd be winning this division. No this way. was a th th this was regarded as a good start uh, by the Giants that has now become a good season. And and Buster Posey coming back has been a huge part of that. We've seen some returns to form Crawford, of course, has uh, been a little bit of an injury of late. But I think overall. Their group of, of hitters has been very impressive. Yastrzemski's been good. Uh, it's been a fun story to watch. Their bullpen sort of been a no-name group that has pitched well collectively. Their rotation, a lot of one-year guys that Farhan Zaidi and Scott Harris done a very good job with them. Uh, you think about Di Sclafani. Uh, he's been excellent. Gossman has been excellent. Wood's been very good. Uh, Webb has been good a, a bit at the back end. Cueto's had a good return to form. So, But again, we're talking about can you win the World Series with that rotation? And, and I really believe that if, if Scherzer goes to the Giants, that makes the Giants probably the team to be in that division. But if he goes to the Dodgers or Padres, then all of a sudden they get some momentum. For the Dodgers, they've got price, and that's a luxury to have a Cy Young winner come out of your bullpen and put him in your, in your rotation. That just tells you how much depth they've got. Gonsolin had a very good start over the weekend. I think when, he is, when his shoulder is sound and healthy, They've got a great rotation with respect to him. But, of course, Kershaw, uh, we're not sure when Clayton's going to come back. And, and 
there's no real uh, sense of, of what's going on with Bauer in terms of if or when he's going to pitch the Dodgers again. So there's a lot of, of uncertainty for the Dodgers right now. They have to find a way, I think, to layer in one more starting pitcher. And you could probably say the same thing for the Padres. They've had some different injury issues. And they're a club that got to the playoffs last year and just simply ran out of healthy arms with the Denelson Lamette injury. They cannot have that happen again against the Dodgers or the Giants or anybody else. The Padres have too good of a team. We saw the move they made to get Adam Frazier in there. They've got a dynamic star in Tatis. This is their chance to win. They simply cannot afford, J.J., to arrive to October without enough healthy arms. That was what their uh, downfall was in 2020. It has to be a different story for them now in 2021. Final one. Yankees, small buyer. Mets, big buyer. Is that your prediction for next week? Yes. I think for the Yankees, small buyer in that it has to make sense for them at the at the near and, and, and medium term. Changing the fabric of right. the team in the long term. And that, that to me is what they've got to do, JJ. And for me, you know, I, I am someone I look at it and, and the, the prospect realm is not my specialty, but I, I it sure seems as though from my one step removed to the prospect world of really getting into the granular evaluation of it, that the Yankees system and the prospects collectively have not quite made the impact that the Yankees expected them to. And, I, and, and that, that goes broad statement the last few years. They have to find a way to change that narrative, which means either you trade a few of them to get someone now like a Kepler who they could probably afford. And, and there are enough teams, JJ, that are, that are under some duress with, with players like Kepler who maybe who have not performed that great this year. This is the time to get them. And when you're the Yankees, you have the wherewithal to do it. So I think the Yankees are a targeted mid-range in terms of a talent like a Kepler. That's a perfect name you gave me, JJ. That's the kind of player they should be after. The Mets, I think they're they're a big buyer because their division is not that good. It's they a, it's should a, run away with this, John. Let's if, be honest. Exactly. They play well against the Braves this week. They should run away with this division. Exactly. And if, if DeGrom is healthy, huge if. But, but again, the Mets, similar to the, maybe the Padres last year, you cannot get to the, to the postseason. And if DeGrom throws his first game and has, a, and has an elbow issue or a lat issue, you can't say, oh, my gosh, who could have seen this coming? They, they have to secure an additional pitcher as, as backup and support in the contingency that DeGrom has an injury issue in October. You have to realize, and I'm sure you do, but I'm saying you like the Mets, that you cannot credibly arrive at October without reinforcements. And then if there's an injury with, with DeGrom, act surprised because he's brilliant. We all hope he's healthy. Everybody in baseball does because he's so great for the game, but they have to prepare for the possibility that he won't be in addition to pursuing the bats that we talked about, like Brian and Donaldson. John, thanks so much for doing this. I know you're going to be a very busy man over the next few days. So I know the work never stops for you. NHL, MLB, <laughs> trades, then covering games. So the grind is real, bro. I can't wait to see you in New York. Continued success. All right, baby? JJ, you as well. Congrats again on the new show. Thanks for the invite. And again, we'll, we'll, we'll come back and visit after the deadline. Let's hope that half of the things I said actually come to pass, which is always what you hope for a batting average of the trade hey, deadline. Hey, 500 that, at the trade deadline. I mean, that's better than Ted Williams. You're, you're feeling good. So that, that's how that's what I feel that it'll be if we listen to this again uh, next time around, JJ. But thanks again for the invite and look forward to the next time, my friend. All, all the best. That's the great John Morosi. Voicemails. Brutal weekend for the Yankees. Good weekend for the Mets right after this. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So after Friday's interesting experience with the voicemails, I can only imagine what the Yankee fan is going to be feeling like. And listen, I'd love to be talking all sorts of smack. Can't do it. Not with the way the Yankees have played. Not with the element in play that they haven't won a championship since 2009. You think I'm talking smack to Red Sox fans up at Fenway Park? You got another thing coming. Remember, voicemail line is 917-382-1151. These should be interesting. So, Rudy, let's fire away. Hey, JJ. This is Eric from Syracuse. And, um, yeah, it's checkout time. I mean, I'll still check box scores and catch the innings here and there. But um, not scheduling my uh, days and nights around this team anymore. Since um, Hal seems to just accept this mediocrity because it doesn't change anything. So um, I think the only time Hal will ever be uh, waking out of a stupor is if uh, in September when the stadium is a ghost town and he notices uh, a dramatic drop in the uh, chicken tender bucket sale. So that's all I got. See ya. Listen, they're dead in the American League East. They have no prayer catch in Tampa. They have no prayer catch in Boston. They clearly look to be a step behind both of these clubs. The reason you're not dead is the wild card race. I, I have to tell it like it is. The Yankees, because Oakland had a rough weekend against Seattle, they are three and a half games back of Oakland, and they're only two back in the loss column. I can't proclaim the season is over when you're two games out in the loss column for a wild card spot. Now, do I think they're beating Boston? Do I think they're beating Tampa? No, I don't think they're as good as those teams. And they have gone lame Anytime they've played Tampa or Boston in any particular game this year. But I cannot proclaim the season over. The division is over. I can't proclaim that this season is over. No, there's too much baseball left. It bothers me. I wish I could. I wish I could check out. That, that to me, is what makes it so much worse. You're stuck with this team now for the next couple of weeks. I'm telling you, they're going to suck you back in a few more times. That's just the way it's going to go. Who's up next? JJ, it's Dean and Stanford. I really can't take it anymore with the Yankees, man. This is just brutal after brutal loss. They just keep finding more ways to lose. This one, I think, tops them all. This is the Mount Rushmore of the season. I think it's time to blow it up, be sellers of the deadline. Hate to say it, but if somebody wants to call for judge, listen to offers. And when are they going to get rid of Cashman and Boone? Enough's enough, JJ. Enough's enough. Listen, I get the frustration with the brain trust. They're not exactly inspiring confidence. I'm telling you right now, there is a 0% chance the Yankees are sellers. Zero. When they're two games out of a second wildcard spot, they're not blowing it up. Not with a team that was positioned to be all in. Now, I don't want to make short-sighted moves. But again, what are you selling? I want Aaron Judge on this team long-term. Aaron Judge is not your problem. And what are you getting for Aaron Judge? At his age, with his durability concerns, you think you're getting some, like, crown jewel package for Aaron Judge? I got news for you. You're not. You're not. So I'm not on board with that at all, for what it's worth. Because I just don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. Because I don't think Aaron Judge is going to get as much as you guys think. And I don't think he'd get back in a trade as much as you guys think. Who's next? Hey, JJ. Eric Dan in Florida. Um... 
said the other day, by Sunday we can judge what this team is going to do, and I think they uh, show us exactly how the rest of the season is going to go in these four games up in Boston. And really all I can say is fuck Green, fuck Chapman, fuck Loisega, fuck Britain, fuck this entire lineup, fuck Cashman, fuck Boone, fuck them all. Love the pod. Keep it up. Well, I appreciate the love. I mean, that's a whole lot of F-bombs right there. My goodness. A whole lot of F-bombs. This is an infuriating weekend. There's no reason the Yankees should have lost three out of four. I'm sorry. There's absolutely no way in the world they should have lost three out of four. They stole one on Saturday. They gave two games away that were absolutely shameful. Thursday, Sunday. And I can't say which one is worse. I mean, just, just keep adding them to the list. Maybe we'll have like a top 10 list that we can count down at the end of the year. I'll let you guys decide. Maybe we'll have a little fun with that. I don't know. I feel like I'm at all of them, so I kind of relieved that I wasn't at this one on Sunday. At least I can't get blamed for this one. You know, Bob's in Brooklyn wanted to blame me today at around 3 o'clock for the Yankees losing the first two games. And, you know, I actually was going to take it. I was going to own it. I was going to accept the fact that maybe I brought some bad juju. It ain't me, folks. More the manager and more the bullpen and more the lineup than it is me. JJ, just Justin is Moral Park. Once again, this team just rips your fucking heart out. Domingo Haman pitches the game of his life, okay? You give him one fucking batter, let him pitch one more guy. 93 pitches? How much are we babying these fucking guys, man? It's ridiculous, these ball players. And then Loisica has nothing today. Okay, coming off COVID, you don't pitch this guy back-to-back games. Where's Green? Where's Britain? I mean, give me a break, Boone. Do you know how to manage a bullpen? And then again, just like the Thursday night game, he doesn't walk Bogarts to set up a double play against Devers, and away we go. Unbelievable, this team, how many games they've pissed away. And I'll say it to my grave, this Red Sox team is not fucking good when Domingo Homano was fucking no itch. Joke. I feel Justin's pain. Do I think the Red Sox are playing over their heads a little bit? I sure do. I don't think they're winning the American League East. I think Tampa is winning the American League East. But the Red Sox have taken on the personality of their manager. They're gritty. They play the game the right way. The good and late game situations, the Yankees are not. And the Yankees have thrown a whole lot of games down the toilet this year. I mean, you look in the last three to four weeks alone, the Yankees win half those games. They're leading the second wild card right about now. And they may be within striking distance of Tampa and Boston. That's sad, but true. I'm telling you, with the schedule they have coming up over the next two and a half to three weeks, from a wild card perspective, they're not dead. It bothers me because you want to be out on this team. You don't want to keep buying back in only to get devastated and to get your heart broken, to get kicked in the nuts again. This was another kick in the nuts. But get ready. More coming. I'm telling you right now. More coming. JJ? Matt from Williamsport. That was a tough four games to watch. Even the one we wanted was tough to watch. But JJ, if they buy at the deadline, I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. Like what are they buying for? So they can get the second wild card spot and get smoked by the Astros or the Red Sox at best if they win the wild card game. I'd rather lose. I'd rather not be in the playoffs than see the Yankees go down to the Red Sox in another playoff series or the Astros. This team is it needs a whole makeover. And then 
I don't even know people are like, well, I want them to sell. Who are they going to sell? Who's buying from these bums? Side note, Florio needs to play every day in center field. I, for as much as Gardner's done for us, his time's up. It's over. Sometimes all good things come to an end. It was a good run. Goodbye, Guardy. I'll miss your bald, beautiful head out in center field, left field, slamming bats, doing weird stuff, but it's over. This team, man. Fuck. Yeah, exactly that. I totally agree on Floreal. It bothered me that he wasn't in the lineup on Sunday. I want to see him play every day, unless the Yankees are going to go and get a center fielder. I want to see Floreal out there. He's athletic. He's left-handed. He's speedy. He's got some pop. I'd rather see him over Brett Gardner. That's number one. When I mention the idea of the Yankees adding, let me make this clear. I'm not adding for this team and this team alone. I am thinking long-term if I'm adding to this team. I'm thinking about changing the feel, not only for this year, but for next year. Let's give Cashman credit for this. Odor's been a good pickup. And Odor needs to play even when guys come back. And that's why Stanton needs to get in the outfield. Now, he didn't today because the Gittins injury or whatever. But when Voigt comes back, Voigt cannot play first base. Let Odor play against right-handed pitching. And let Voigt DH. Fine. Well, maybe the Yankees make a trade and get him out and get a lefty first baseman. That, uh, that would be fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Or an outfielder. But I can dare to dream. Hey, John. This Who's is uh, Stuart from Brooklyn. You know, it really felt awesome to take two out of three uh, for this Met team to take two out of three against a really good powerhouse team. Uh, and I'll take it. But now we got five against the Braves. It would be good to take three. But, John, that brutal stretch from August 13th to the 26th, uh, 13 games against the Dodgers and the Giants, I expect the Mets to load up for a challenging stretch. My my biggest hope is to have a rotation of uh, Jake, uh, Carrasco, Strom, Walker, Miguel, plus Hill, and anyone else we, we could get. But now, saying all that, John, Walker needs to be corrected right. I get it, Stuart. I'd be concerned about Walker. Very concerned. Because this is a guy who hasn't pitched a ton over the last few years. He was brilliant in the first half. I don't know if you can count on that in the second half of the year. And that's why, to me, not only Carrasco coming back, but the idea of getting another pitcher should be at the top of the priorities list for Sandy Alderson. The Mets need another starter. I like the Rich Hill move. That was a very smart, sound, good decision. They need another starter. Hey, John. Jake from Charlotte. Big win. Big uh, series win for the Mets over uh, the Blue Jays. Pete Alonso stayed hot with the bat. Uh, Jeff McGill comes off the bench to play uh, savior and gives the uh, the Mets the lead um, there in the sixth inning. And Edwin Diaz um, with a huge save today. Um, it's just a great, uh, great uh, series win for the Mets. Um, sorry about your Yankees. That's <laughs> that's heartbreaking. Um, Mets have had a lot of those this year too, unfortunately, but um, luckily they play in a really crappy NL East division. So um, they're still in first, thank God. Um, and that's the momentum they need going to, against the Braves five games this week. And uh, yeah, hopefully they can take, uh, you know, three, three games of that series and um, make some big moves on Friday. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. Bye. Yeah, this team is still in prime position to win this division. Noah Cunha for the Braves, 
The Phillies, unless they add to this team in a big way, I think they're fundamentally flawed. Tough stretch. Stewart hit on it a few minutes ago. Very, very tough stretch over the next three weeks. But if the Mets play well here against Atlanta and they could run and hide a little bit, this is their division to lose. I don't think there's any question. So last, but Jay, not Jay, least. How are you, my friend? Expert up? Jay, Alex from Newark. First, my sports point real quick. USA men's basketball lost today. It's amazing. ESPN called it a shocker. It's not a shocker. They suck. Quick uh, musical note. So I know you're, in a, you're a Beatles guy. I'm an Elvis guy. Be curious to know where Michael ranks in there. Uh, we both agree Sir Elton. Excited for his reunion tour finally next year. Hopefully, whatever the variant name is, uh, by the time next year hits, doesn't derail it. Um, we're both Elton over Billy. But here's the question. Fleetwood Mac or Eagles? Now, I lean a little more Fleetwood Mac. I'm curious to hear what you say. Now, the one thing I'll say is you haven't watched the greatest documentary of all time, the Eagles documentary. So you're a little bit of a fraud. But my question to you is, Eagles or Fleetwood Mac? God bless you, Expert J. I mean, Alex in Newark taking some pot shots at my expense. If I could find the Eagles documentary somewhere online, I'd gladly watch it. And Kate was away for the weekend. So I dialed into this Who McCartney six-part series. Fabulous. Paul McCartney's memory and his ability to recite the creation of all these great Beatles songs and the musical chords, like, go watch that documentary. As soon as you finish the pod, go on Hulu. If you like the Beatles, you like music, watch the McCartney Hulu documentary. It is awesome. Absolutely awesome. Your question, Fleetwood Mac or the Eagles? I love them both, but it's Fleetwood Mac. Because to me, Fleetwood Mac has more of a variety of songs that bring a punch. You got Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. You got Rhiannon. You got Go Your Own Way. Uh, just rumors alone is so fabulous, so fantastic. And I know Hotel California, Victim of Love, Take It Easy. I love both. I mean, listen, you're going to find a lot of Mac and you're going to find a lot of Eagles on my golf playlist. By a smidge, by a hair, I would give... Fleetwood Mac the edge. And the United States Olympic team, they got some problems. It's now to a point where you should not be totally shocked for two reasons. One, the rest of the world has caught up to the United States. In 1992, you had guys playing overseas that were like bowing down to the dream team. Now, the international game has grown so much. These guys have played against the top players in the U.S. They're not intimidated by the top players in the U.S. Here's the other element in play. A lot of these international teams have far more chemistry. Whereas the United States, they're basically putting it together. You had a bunch of guys not show up. They're vulnerable. They're very, very beatable. Now... This is not the eliminator round yet, but it just goes to show you how much the world has closed the gap with the United States. And if you're asking me, am I getting into these games? Not really. Not really. You know, somebody asked me this. Actually, it was Saruti. Saruti asked me this on Thursday. He was like, how into these Olympic games are you going to be? And I was like, honestly, man, I feel like I put my heart and soul into the NBA season. 
Maybe in the medal round, I'll get into it a little bit more. So, Rudy, I know you're a diehard hoops guy, but even you, I get the sense, are not like totally all in on these Olympic Games. Is that fair to say? No, I'm not, because clearly this isn't their best roster. I mean, if you look at the back end, there's some there's some questionable dudes in the back end of that roster. Popovich's style is terrible. And honestly, like it's weird that we're going in as the favorite and we're playing so poorly. It's just hard for me to get that excited about it. That's exactly the way I feel. Now, I might get into it in a couple of weeks. Like I said, I reserve the right to change my mind. I just got off of Giannis going through an all-time finals performance. And now you want me to get any Olympics like five days later? I'm sorry. It's just, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Now, I understand I'm wrapped up in the baseball and everything that's going on with the baseball. Me, a lot more so than a lot of other folks nationally. I get that. I understand that. But like the early stages of the Olympic basketball for me is just, it's, it's not doing it. It's not moving the needle. But that's a bad loss today. Bad, 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 bad loss. And if you lay the United States, whatever the minus 500, 550, whatever they were, my condolences. My condolences. So before we set the stage for the week, you know, slim pickings on the wagering card these days, Olympics and Major League Baseball. But our guy Jeff Money finds a way. Don't worry, I got more football coming your way this week. I'm already diving in. Gave you the AFC East and the NFC East. And how about the Brownies? Get in on the Brownies, folks. We're adopting one team in the AFC. We'll find one in the NFC. We're not there yet. I need a little more prep work, a little more research. What up, but Jeff JJ? Money Jeff Money here with our handicapper picks for Monday the 26th. Tomorrow, so I like one game. I'm going to go with the Angels, minus the 155 over the Rockies. It will be Otami versus Marquez. Otami is 3-0 with a 1.17 ERA at home versus Marquez, 2-5 with a 3.87 ERA on the road. As you know, the Rockies are dreadful on the road. They're 10-35, so that's my play for Monday the 26th. The Angels, minus the 155. All right, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. My only reservation with the Angels is that they're going up against a high-quality pitcher in Marquez and that you have Otani in an Otani game with him on the mound. Everybody and their mother is going to bet it. I'm not betting the Colorado Rockies, Jeff Money. I would just be a little leery of how public a play that is. I'll tell you something I'm going to think about tomorrow. Day-night or two-game doubleheader for the Mets, 5 o'clock into 8 o'clock. If the Mets win game one with Stroman, I will hop on the Braves in game two. And this is a gigantic, gigantic, gigantic week for the Mets. You want to really create some space and separation with the Braves? Five games, four days. Go find a way to have a winning week, and you grow that lead that much more. Cannot get buried with a tough stretch of games you have coming up. For the Yankees, listen, they're dead in the AL East. They need to play well to get that wild card. That's why they got to go to Tampa and play well this week. Easier said than done. They will have Montgomery. They will have Cole going in a couple of these games. Got to figure out what they're going to do in the other game. I've not seen all of the pitching matchups yet. You know you're getting Montgomery and you know you're getting Cole. And otherwise, you might be holding your breath. Trade deadline. Buckle up. We got a whole lot going on there. Draft's coming up this week. So for late July, it's as loaded as it gets. Fellas, outstanding job. We're back Tuesday night. And remember, Tuesday and a Wednesday means stump the JJ time. So bring the trivia fire my way. Make sure we can hear you and all your other outstanding voicemails. I'm out. Be good, everybody.